We're going to be in Genesis chapters 44 and 45 today, as this is going to be a covering of two chapters. In, in chapter 43, we went over Joseph's brothers who had arrived to Egypt to prove that the youngest brother, Benjamin, did exist and that he was still alive and doing okay. And so they were invited to Joseph's house for dinner when they arrived back in Egypt. Now, chapters 44 and 45 are very similar uh, to each other to combine. As in chapter 44, uh, I'm going to explain what happened, and then I'm going to read chapter 45 as a whole. In chapter 44, Joseph sent his brothers back to Canaan. In what we know as the nation of Israel. In verses 1 through 17, it gives the account of Joseph sending them off with sacks of food and money. But in Benjamin's sack, he, put, he puts his silver cup in the mouth of his bag. And the silver cup was his personal cup. And it signified his authority in the Egyptian kingdom. So as they left, Joseph sent a messenger to repeat Joseph's words which said, why have you repaid evil for good? They were confused and searched their sacks. And, and when they found the stuff, they actually tore their clothes, which is again was the ancient, uh, ancient Near East and practice of Jewish culture was to, to tear their clothing, which was an act of expression of mourning or of complete shock. So they actually returned to plead their case, which was found in verses 18 through 34. And in, in 18 to 23, what they had said, when they came back, they said, Then Judah came near to him and said, O oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his, his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father will die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not, you shall see my face no more. So of all people to step forward during this time, it was Judah. And, and this was the one who actually suggested to sell Joseph off. Judah was the one who had done, in the past uh, chapters, he had done some very detestable things to his daughter-in-law, um, which was a few chapters back in the message that I titled, The Demise of Judah. Judah stepped forward and asked to take the place of any consequences that may be. He said, if anything should happen to Benjamin, it would destroy our father Jacob. But he asked Joseph, here's the thing, he asked him, he said, do you have a brother or a father? Which was probably the words that will cause the revealing of who he is. See, Judah offered to lay down his life for his brothers. Now, there is a good reference to how Judah would be the founder of the tribe of our Savior, Christ Jesus, as he laid down his life for the world. He shows the change in his life that Joseph was actually testing. Was he self-centered? Was he willing to throw Benjamin in a pit as he did to me, being Joseph? <laughs> uh, well, we will see within the time 
the brothers had been changed in heart, and especially Judah, as he stepped forward in personal sacrifice. So we're going to be reading in chapter 45, as what we're going to be seeing here is the big picture. Chapter 44 was basically them pleading with him. See, in the first time that they had met, Joseph heard them arguing amongst each other in regards to what they did to Joseph, that they were paying for their actions of the past. When Joseph heard this, he actually had to remove himself and hide himself in his chambers as he wept, and then he had to clean himself up and come back. And, and so now we're coming to the time where the revealing will take place. See, God reveals everything. <laughs> Nothing's hidden from his sight. And, and God will allow some amazing things to happen, even when we screw up. But I tell you, the Lord is good all the time, is he not? But, unfortunately with mankind, time is an issue. Uh, God is only good on our time, when we want him to be. And this is such an important message. And See, we got to remember that every chapter in the book of Genesis can take place within years of one another. And so many years had passed since Joseph was 17 years old when they did this to him. We're probably looking at 15, 20 years from now that they had finally met after each other uh, from the last time they'd seen each other. Let's take a look at chapters 45 as I'll read verses 1 through 8. And then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. And then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years and the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all of the land of Egypt. Well, the time came to where he just couldn't hold it in anymore. When they first met him, there was a translator uh, communicating between them. Even though Joseph could understand everything that was being said, he now had to, Joseph most likely knew and spoke their native Coptic language in the Egyptian empire, but he was listening to them speak in Hebrew. Now, I'm not sure if this was how he revealed who he was by speaking in their native language, but I'm sure it was, but they were shocked and they were terrified nonetheless. But this was the plan of God, and this was the closure for Joseph and his brothers. Now, the Bible, it didn't speak of the brothers' demeanors over the years. But Jacob, their father, was forever grieved. We don't know what the brothers were feeling about how they did. We don't know whether they felt remorse, 
grief or if they just simply moved on. But Joseph was given the big picture himself by them showing up to Egypt. Everything was revealed. God allowed a famine to hit the land right at the time Joseph was released from prison and put in charge of all of Egypt. See, he was a provider and a leader as God presented to Joseph in his dream of what he would be. What an example of grace, though, that Joseph shows. You know, don't beat yourselves up. It's all good. There was a reason for all of this, he said. You know, I've mentioned the well-known verse of, of Romans in, in the book of Romans that a lot of people know it, that all, all things work together for the good of those who love God. And yes, there is evil intentions done by people. But God is in control in the long run. He, he allows tests and trials to his own people. See, the greatest of attributes that he gave to mankind is that of love. And the forgiving that comes with it, it links into that attribute. And I, I think of the ingredients that go into a cake, okay? Everyone loves cake. <laughs> Most people I know. But, you know, it's interesting, before it gets baked, no one, no one ever eats the single ingredients that goes into it. You know, no, one, no one's going to eat a stick of butter. Uh, no one's going to consume flour. No one's going to consume the sugar itself raw. But once all those ingredients, once they're all blended in together and baked in an intense heat, it actually came out to be something very appealing to most people. But you see, again, nobody wants, nobody wants to partake of those single ingredients in which it takes in order to bake the whole thing. Joseph here had to eat those ingredients. Joseph was the one who had to eat the ingredients one by one, but after he was basically put through the fire of the testing, he, was, he became something that was appealing, and it was appealing to, not, to his family. He was appealing to the nation of, of Egypt, and more than anything, appealing to, to the Lord God. Joseph seen the big picture when they all came to him. Now the key was that he kept his faith. He kept his faith in God regardless of his circumstances. Let's take a look at verses 9 to 13. And it says, Hurry up and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my youth, my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father, of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that you have seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Looking at the purposes God put together in Joseph's life and position, he showed the purpose of mercy and forgiveness. Then we see in the purpose of providing and provisions as he gave food to them, and he also gave them their money back. And then we've seen the greatest purpose of all of this, which was the praise. 
It was that of praise. Praise to God for all that has happened at this point. That was the purpose of it all, that Joseph was able to give praise to God. And then we have the uniting of their family. The, the providing through a famine. But, but the forgiveness for all done was for the greater purpose of God. It's okay that you sold me off because look at this situation, he says. You know, look at what God has done. Look what God has done here, you see. Joseph received the blessing of headship, and his family received the blessing of survival and a new start. You know, he sets aside Goshen, which is an area of Egypt that was given to, the, to his family to dwell. And uh, Goshen was actually one of the best areas in Egypt uh, at that time. When it came to crops, livestock, it was, it was flourishing. It was actually right by the Nile River. Uh, their main river in that area, which is always a prime land, you always want to be near the water source. And, and this would be the area where the first Hebrew family would dwell in being Joseph's family. And then others would dwell there after his death. But in fact, this was the uh, the beginning place as years will go by, which is the place where the where the Jews would become slaves. And then the book of Exodus gives the account of the life later thereafter. But at this time, it's a blessed move to God from, uh, from famine to feasting, okay, versus the other way around. We always hear from, you know, uh, from fe uh, feast or famine, okay, well, this, is, this was the opposite. He was, he, they went from famine to feasting by the glory of God. We see how God takes care of his people even in famines in the land that he provides. I love what Jesus himself said in the gospel, that, that the birds of the air are provided for. How much more important you are to him was made known in the gospels. We've seen that God has been living and active. In that verse from the beginning, from the beginning of time, yes, good things come to those who love the Lord, and good things come to those who are faithful unto him. As God sees who truly loves him under the worst of circumstances. And what's neat to see is throughout time, we're going to see that through other people in the Bible. The, the test of trial and the test of, of love. Through that trial. See, Joseph, the blessings of Joseph was that he didn't turn his back on God. He, he didn't spit on the ground and walk away when... When, when his life wasn't exactly what he thought was going to be. And Joseph was looking at the eternal things, because even as believers here, we can't always expect to have a smooth sail in life. But what we do know for fact is that our eternal life will be a smooth sail for eternity when it's all said and done, and that's where the glory is given. While we're here, we're surrounded by so many things. Joseph could attest to this because of the empire he lived in of, of polytheistic pagan nature. The, the empire he lived in of prejudice against outside nations that were of less standard. And we're going to see that as time goes on even more. Joseph kept his eyes up. And he kept his eyes on the true prize on the eternal things of the glory of God, realizing that though he's going to be provided for here on earth, as the Bible says that God wants us to have an abundant life on earth as we will in heaven, we know that it will not compare 
the abundance can never compare, which is what we look forward to, which is why we run the race that we do for the sake of our eternal existence. Let's continue to look at this wonderful story in verses 14 to 21. Then he fell on his brothers, Benjamin's neck, and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. And moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Now the report of it was he heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your household and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh. And he gave them provisions for their journey. Now, as somebody who has read the Bible, or some of of you who have actually taught the Bible, I can tell you what we're seeing here from this particular Pharaoh is is an amazing act and obviously a work of God. Because after this, After Joseph was gone, the pharaohs over the years were hating enemies of the Hebrew people and Israel, the nation, as it will begin in the book of Exodus. This was truly divine of God. Because again, I mentioned that the Egyptians did not associate with outsiders. They were not up to their personal standards. So what an influence Joseph had in the land that Pharaoh and the others would not just invite them, but actually give them prime land. It's unheard of culturally. But it's not heard of in, in a divine work of God. See, this happened as they embraced one another in unity. Joseph showed love and forgiveness. And the brothers showed love and joy for their uniting. And that's where we see God do his mighty work. After, after this, the joy and blessings came into play because of the true love and uniting. Because God will not dwell amongst a disunified people. God does not dwell in disunified churches. He does not dwell in ununified or disunified households. He is a God of unity. And because of what we witnessed in the uniting, now God's going to start doing the mighty work. But it was Joseph's heart that was always in the right place. See, Joseph demonstrated God's love and forgiveness. And as God forgives anyone who asks in truth, well, Joseph shared his prosperity. The, the, the treatment that was given to them was like having a, having a company, a, a large company, pay for a Lear jet ride back home. And having a moving company that sends trucks to your place and then ensures a safe travel with everything intact is they guarantee all of your possessions are going to come unharmed and nothing broken, and if anything should happen, we're going to pay for it and then some. This was kind of the same typical or the same treatment that Pharaoh was giving, probably even better if you think about it from ancient standards. If there is something I wish I could have seen, I wish I could have seen Jacob's expression when the moving carts arrived, 
and, and most of all to hear that Joseph was alive and more than well. I'm a big fan of facial expressions. And, and I can only imagine. The, the older brothers would have to come clean now on what happened when they sold him off. That's the only thing because they basically threw him in the pit. They sold him off to the traveling um, Ishmaelites and then they took Joseph's coat of many colors, dipped it in animal's blood and said that he was devoured from an animal. So now it looks to me like they're probably going to have to come clean, but we didn't see what happened in Scripture. But I'm sure the joy, the joy of now outdid the hurt of the past. What a neat thing to see in God's ways, how he takes away hurt and despair. And he brings light back into dark situations. Now let's go ahead and take another look here to see how God orchestrated this event in verse 22. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain bread and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed, and he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. And then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all of the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. And that's the end there of the, of the chapter 45. Joseph was obviously in, in disbelief at first, but after seeing that, you know, ten donkeys with provisions and ten female donkeys with grain... Uh, show up, I'm sure he had to be wondering what was going on. See, Benjamin got special treatment as the younger brother. Uh, he was the only one, he was the only brother who had nothing to do with Joseph's fate of being sold off. But out of his 12 brothers, those were the two that were full brothers, as the other ones were half-brothers through other mothers. But we see in these verses that Jacob's old name and new name of the old name of Jacob the heel catcher, the conniver, then, in verse 28, he calls him Israel said. Israel said that that's good enough. I will go and see him. Israel, the new name, means governed by God. In the previous chapters, Jacob was blaming himself for the calamity when Simeon was put in prison until Benjamin showed up to reveal himself. That it, that it was not Jacob's fault. When he was Jacob, he dealt with his own choices. And he, he received the scars from them. But God changed not just his name, but his life and his ways. Is which is, is which is how he got his new name. See, when, when God changes somebody's name, it was done because there was a new, there was something special and planned for them. His great-grandfather, Abraham, was called Abram, 
which meant Abram meant father. But he says, your name is going to be Abraham, which is the father of many nations. And then his great-grandmother, Sarah, who was Sarai, which meant contentious, her name was changed to Sarah, which was like that of princess. And God did that through other people in the Bible as well. When he changed a name, he did it for a higher purpose. Their name was going to resemble their, their, their actions, their new life, their, their calling, if you will. So he was revived. He was revived as his son was alive. And he, that he didn't cause calamities from the past. We too, have to, we too have the same benefits from God. Love, protection, and provisions, grace, guidance, and much more. More than I can say or explain. But the key... The key is to, able, to be able to say that I know the ways of God and how he works. I know his blessings. I know his love and provisions. I know his grace because I know him personally. How he disciplines because I know him and how he works. We can, we can tell people all about our parents when we walked with them and when we were raised by them. Well, what more of a blessing is it to be able to say, I know the way that God works, being our Father of all. Those who know each other best are those who live with one another. And there is a way to live with the Lord. And that is by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. He must live in you first, by invitation. And then everything else will come. As Christ said in the Gospels, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. What is all of those things? Well, that's for him to know and for him to give. I've repeated myself numerous times. And if there's something I've learned, and if there's something I've learned from other teachers that teachers have taught, that a good teacher will always repeat himself until, until he knows those around him have grasped it. So I hope, that, uh, I hope I could do that as well. It's helped benefit me, and I hope it does the same for anyone else. Christ himself had to do it. <laughs> he had to repeat himself numerous times to the disciples. But he revealed it through them, through the actions. They got to see him firsthand. Now, just because he's not here physically on earth doesn't mean that he does not exist. He is living and active and very much alive. And if you feel his presence calling you, well, I want to give the invitation, as he's giving the invitation through his Holy Spirit, to receive him as your Lord and Savior. By receiving him, you are receiving him as your God, as your Lord your Savior, all things. He's been waiting for you. He created you. And he knows every single thing about you and I. The Bible says that God knows every amount of, head on our, every amount of hair on our heads. He knows every single amount of teardrops that have ever dropped from a man or a woman's eyes and has stored those teardrops but the important thing is, is that be able to say for us that we know him. 
because the last thing anybody wants to hear when our time is up is that I never knew you depart from me. This is going to be the most important thing that you could ever do is receiving your ticket into eternity. So if you feel led, if you feel the Lord speaking to you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would receive me. And Lord, thank you for washing my sins. Thank you for having me. Lord, as I receive you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. And may you receive me when my time comes, Lord. Father, I love you. I praise you. And I thank you again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, remember, in Jesus' name, you praise how it should be done at all times. He's listening to us. But may we be in his, may we be in his good graces. Because I think like people who stand closer to one another, we can hear everything that they say to one another, right? Well, he can hear all things. And I want to be close to him. And may we all be walking close to him. Because we could never fathom everything that he's truly done for us. So may God bless and keep you. And may you know him more and more.